Welcome, everybody. Very happy and honoured to be sharing with you today. Just want to let you know first, though, that I actually wrote this message for me. So I hope you get something out of it too. <laughs> but if not, it was for me anyway, so <laughs> bad luck. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians 4. We're going to read 4, 6 to 7. And I have to say, um, I didn't make it for the pre-meeting because um, I got stuck by the bridge. Um, so I don't know what happened in the pre-meeting, but uh, it was amazing in worship. I mean, the, the worship was amazing anyway. But afterwards, when Julie was talking about peace and how amazing God's peace is, that is actually what I want to talk about today. So, Philippians 4, 6-7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your peace, even if we don't understand it, Lord. I just pray that you speak to us here today. Use these words to speak into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I feel like I'm really loud. Am I really loud? Doesn't matter. You're doing a great job, Emma. Thank you. That's, that's too low now. No, not really. I have to share a confession with you. <laughs> I'm always confessing up here. <laughs> Mal challenged me not to cry today. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It was encouraging. I'm not making any guarantees. I love Excel. Some of you may be asking, what is Excel? This message is not for you, I'm, I'm sorry. But I love Microsoft Excel. I, f I feel good to get that off my chest. I feel like it's a burden I've been carrying around. My wife is here, I'm sorry. I do have another love in my life, my children. But I love Excel. You know what I love about Excel? I love that in Excel, everything is ordered and neat and everything has its place. And it does exactly what you tell it to without asking questions. It's an amazing tool that helps you, you know, create all of these huge kind of spreadsheets and sums. And if you're clever enough and you can think outside the box enough, you can, you can get it to do whatever you want. And I, I love that. <laughs> That's just a little bit about me, I guess, my personality. One thing I love about Excel is a formula called if and then. And this is what it looks like in, uh, in the actual text. And I'll, let me explain it to you very quickly. I know Jack is very interested, Abby, some of you guys who love Excel. Michael. Okay, Michael, I don't want to hear from you anymore. <laughs> Michael's a super Excel user, obviously. 
99.9% of people would not know that. <laughs> anyway, in Excel, in one of the cells, you can put this formula in that says if, now the logical test means if this cell says this, then you can do two different things. If, if it's true, then do one thing. If it's false, then do another thing. And if we go on a bit further, this is also invalid, Michael. I, I understand this. You need to use cell references. But basically what it says is if this situation happens, then if it's true, do this. And if it's false, do that. And the amazing thing is you can have more than one statement. You can actually have up to seven if-then statements all within the one cell. That's seven. That's what it looks like. I know some of you are saying, wow. But you don't really understand how amazing that is <laughs> to be able to have seven, Greg knows, to be able to have seven different if-then statements all within the one statement looking at all of these different things to give you the one answer is amazing. Really, really amazing. Joe knows all about Excel. But in Excel, if then is a positive. But what if we translate that into our own lives? We take it out of Excel and we, we use the if then statement in our life all the time. I know for me personally, at times of worry and anxiety, I go through this process in my head of thinking, if this happens, then that happens. If I say this to that person, then they'll get upset with me, so I'm not going to say it. Or if I say this to that person, then they'll yell at me. Or if I get this job, then I'll get this amount of money and I'll be happy. Or, or if I lose weight, then I'll be happy. If I drive a certain car, then I'll be happier than what I am. If I act a certain way, if I think a certain way, if I let all of you know certain things about me, then you know, other things are going to happen in life. And you know the thing is, with if-then statements, unlike Excel, when we think about them in our own life, they're generally into the future. We don't, we don't actually know. There's this uncertainty about it, which is why we're always asking if-then. And it made me think about, at times for me, when I've had this if-then thing going through, these if-then thoughts going through my mind all the time, and I get overwhelmed by it, it creates this sense of anxiety in me. Has anyone ever laid in bed at night? not being able to sleep because you're thinking if then, if this, then that. And it goes on and on and on and on and over and over and over and over in your head until you come back to the original if-then statement and then you're like, okay, I'm, I'm just not going to think about it anymore. But then it keeps going on again. And then all of a sudden it's four o'clock in the morning, you haven't slept a wink and you feel terrible and you fall asleep out of exhaustion. Am I the only one? <laughs> Obviously not. If I had to put, you know, the, the if-then statements in Excel, very ordered, very formulaic, very structured. But in our brains, I think this is more what if-then statements tend to look like. They're not structured at all. They're all over the place. We jump from one if-then to this if-then. And we're constantly 
caught up in this cycle of uncertainty around the future. And in our scripture, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, that word anxious is the Greek word, merimnaho. Say it with me, merimnaho. If you want to know, there's this amazing YouTube channel, gives you Greek, how to say uh, biblical Greek words. I don't need it, I'm just saying, if you want to check it out, my Spanish background, it's, uh, you know, comes naturally to me. (laughs) Medim Nahor means to be drawn in opposite directions, divided into parts. Figuratively speaking, it means to go to pieces, to be pulled in different directions. And I think that anxiety or anxiousness, and I just want to say, I'm not talking about, I guess, the extreme level of clinical anxiety. I'm talking about the, you know, can't sleep, kind of, you know, sick with worry kind of anxiety. The, the, the Greek word for it literally means to be torn into pieces, to be divided into pieces. And if you think about those if-then statements, so often it's like, if this happens then that'll be the outcome. But then if this happens, then that'll be the outcome. And there never seems to be this kind of merging of ideas or merging of thoughts that bring you to that one solid place where you, where you can have peace. This constant uncertainty in our minds around the situations that are happening in us. It doesn't even have to be about situations. It can be about family. It can be about, you know, whether or not Donald Trump should get re-elected. I'm not don't have an opinion on that. Are we going to get coronavirus in Australia? Is it going to wipe out the entire population? Is the stock market going to crash? Are my family going to get saved? You know, all of these questions that bring this uncertainty in our minds that drive us apart internally, where we cannot find this middle-centred ground. That's what the Bible says is anxious and anxiety. The next word I want us to focus on is peace. Because the Greek word, it's very important, irene. Irene. It actually means wholeness. When all of the essential parts are joined together, God's gift of wholeness. So peace is the actual opposite of anxiety. And we think about peace, we were talking about it earlier, you know, there was this great sense of peace. I think quite often we mistake peace for just content quietness. And that is peace. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from that. But real peace in this passage where it says the peace of God, which transcends all understanding is about bringing us to this middle point of wholeness where we're not drawn in this direction and we're not drawn in that direction and our minds aren't spinning out of control thinking about all the permeations that may happen in life. 
You know, I know some of the ones for me that keep me awake at night are, you know, if I get this job, then I'll be able to achieve these things in life. If I study this, then I'll be able to speak better for you guys. Or, you know, if I, if I do this, we'll be able to, you know, do different things in the church. If I, if I, if I do something else, then my family will, will think differently. If I, you know, if I'm a better Christian, then my family might, you know, actually want to come to church and, and have a relationship with Jesus. You know, all of those things just spin me out of control because at the end of the day, I don't really actually have control over any of those things. I, I am not in control of the salvation of, of my family. I can pray for them and I can yearn for them and I can want them, but ultimately I am not in control of that. And this word peace, I, I love that the actual translation says when all of the essential parts are joined together. And we've been talking a lot lately about the different parts of the, of the church. We had a, a leader's retreat last week where we talked about, you know, the toe is just as important as the eye, which is just as important as the heart, which is as important as the brain, the skin, the hair, not that I've got a lot, obviously that's not as important, but all of the parts of the body are important and this says when all essential parts are joined together, that's what peace is, it's not separated, peace is the opposite of anxiety. And the last word in there is guard. This is a bit harder to say in Greek, actually. Frudeo. Thank you for trying. <laughs> it, it means to keep watch like a military sentinel, to actively display whatever defense or offense means are necessary to guard. You know what that made me think of? We, we often think about guarding as in just like, you know, we keep things close to our chest, we, we don't open up, we're not vulnerable, you know, we, we kind of protect ourselves. That This is far more than that. This made me think about North Korea and the Americans when they have their military parades and they march their tanks out and their troops and they march them down, you know, down the street and there's thousands and thousands of them and especially in North Korea, they, they bring out those big tanks with those big missiles on them now, I'm not a world leader and I don't want to speak for them, but my guess is, is that they do that not to just make sure the oil in the tanks are fresh and that the troops don't get fat from sitting around without marching. They do that and then they broadcast it to the entire world so that everybody can see the strength of their military. There, there is no question about the resources available to them if anyone should ever want to attack them. If you want to attack North Korea, then this is what you will have to deal with. If you want to attack America, then this is what you're going to have to deal with. And more. This is just a snippet of what we have available at our resources to fight you if, if that's what you want to do. If you want to come and attack us, this is it. That is actively displaying whatever defence or offence they have available to them to be able to fight if they need to. This is not just a simple stay away from me or stay away from you kind of stuff. This is an active display of saying, bring it on because this is what we have. And in saying that, we believe you're not going to win. 
So I don't even try it. The reason I think that's really important is because in our Christian walks, when we're talking about anxiety and peace, we cannot be passive in our walk with God. We cannot just sit around and wait for God to fight our battles. And I want to point out that that scripture says that the peace of God will transcend all understanding, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, the way I interpret that is not by that scripture saying, God will come and intervene for you. It's that the peace of God, which you need to have, will guard your heart. Not, not God's intervention so much. It's the peace of God and who God is. That's what will guard your heart. Not God supernaturally intervening, although I believe that that can happen in circumstances. But the peace of God, which we don't even understand will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And you know, I, I, I felt like God led me to uh, a couple of different scriptures and a couple of different passages. And you know the thing is, Jesus, who we all know came to this earth as a man, experienced things just as we did, Jesus went through the same if-then battle that we did. In Matthew 4, 11, Jesus is tested in the wilderness. That might be a bit small, but I'm going to read it for you anyway. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, then tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, then throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone." Can I just tell you, Psalm 91, 11 to 12, in the Bible, the written word of God says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. The enemy used the actual word of God to try and divide Jesus' thoughts around what he should or shouldn't be doing. If you are the son of God, throw yourself off the temple. God will save you. It's going to be fine. Show the world right now. Show the world. Seems easy. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. I'm going to paraphrase this, but it says basically the same thing. If you bow down and worship me, then I will give you everything. If you bow down and worship me, I will give it all to you. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, 
Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. You know, firstly, has anyone ever fasted for 40 days? Like, it says he was hungry, which I think is an understatement. I've heard before, I haven't um, researched this properly, but I have um, heard before that people that fast for 40 days are, are near death. They're emaciated. They're dehydrated. They're lacking, you know, so many normal things that our bodies need to function properly. Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. And the other thing that I always think about in that is that he fasted alone. Has anyone ever been alone for 40 days without talking to anyone in a solitary place? I mean, it seems like torture. He fasted for 40 days. And I don't know if the enemy was like a physical being around Jesus that came to him and was standing in front of him or if, you know, there was that internal temptation that if then, like we face as well because he was human. But the devil said, if if you are the son of God, tell these stones to be bread. I know you're hungry. You must must eat, otherwise you're going to die. And if you die, then... God's plan for you isn't going to happen. So just eat, these, eat this bread. It's no big deal. Turn these stones into bread. No one's going to know. Who cares? And you know the difference between Jesus? The, the reason why I don't think that Jesus felt anxious in this situation, and I know that Jesus went through anxiety. He sweated blood. Has anyone here ever sweated blood? No. It's never a yes to that one. In this moment, Jesus was not anxious And I know that because Jesus' response was to every one of them, it is written. God says, it is written. There was no maybes or ifs or or thens. There was a because. Because it is written, I know who I've been called to, to be. I know God's plan in my life. Because of that, you can get stuffed. <laughs> Devil. Jesus actively displayed the offense and defense available to him at that time. This here, as far as spiritual warfare goes, is greater than any army that you will ever see on TV. In fact, it's greater than any of the armies that combined that you will ever see in this world. This here is our spiritual weapon. This is our tanks and our armies and our our angels and our protection. This here, this is our active display. And I think quite often what happens in times of stress and anxiety is we forget about this and we go into solution mode. If, okay, this is an issue in my life. If I do this, then this will happen. Or if I do this, then that'll happen. If I could just pay off that debt, then this will happen. If I could just reach out to that person, if I could look this way, if I could sound this way, if I could live in this house, if I could be friends with that person, if people would see me the way that I think they should see me, then I'll be happy. But that is not the truth. That is a lie from the enemy. God does not operate on ifs and thens in that way. 
But there is an if-then statement that God has given us that is incredibly important for us to know. And it is one of the strongest scriptures, I believe, that we all need to know in our life. Romans 8, 31 to 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? If God is for us, then who could be against us? Who did not spare his own son but give him up for us all? Who, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If God is for us, then who could be against us? And we all know the answer to that. We have an enemy. But nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God. And the the truth is, when it comes to God, there is no if. God is not surprised. God, things don't happen in life and God goes, oh, I didn't see that coming. God knows everything. There are no surprises with God. The simple reality with God is that because then, because he loved us, loves us because he gave his life for us, because he rose from the dead, that we are more than conquerors. In Matthew 6, 25 to 34, says, and this is Jesus speaking, Therefore I tell you, do not worry, and I'll just let you know, that word is the same as anxiety, it's that same Greek word, metimnehor, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by being anxious, by worrying at a single hour to your life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. And just so you know, it might seem a bit weird for Jesus to specifically talk about clothing, but back in that day, clothing was a symbol of who you were. Like clothing was just not to cover you, clothing said everything about who you were in society. The better your clothes, the better standing you had in society because you could afford to have more. Clothing was a status piece. It's like the house that you live in or the car that you drive or the job that you have or the way that you look. 
clothing was everything to this culture. Why do you worry about all of those things? See the flowers of the field? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And I know that that sounds harsh, and I guess it is, but sometimes we need a bit, bit of harshness from God. And I'll just say, that word little is different to small. That word little in, in the Bible talks about brief. There's a difference between the words micron and oligos. You can look it up. But micron means small. Oligos, which is what this one is, talks about brief. And I think that's really important for us to know because when we get into these if-thens... We, we tend to, because we're amazing problem solvers in life, I think that's how God made us so that we would survive, we tend to get into solution mode. And we take the, 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 easiest, the easiest option quite often. We, we quite often go for what the easiest solution to our problems are because we want to fix them and we want to move on. But Jesus says here, you of brief faith which means stick at it, don't give in, know who you are in God because, because God loves us, because we have a peace of God, which we don't understand, but we can have that peace that pulls us together and keeps us centred in God. Don't be brief with your faith. So don't worry or don't be anxious, same word again, saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, for the, the world, run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need him. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that is challenging. I know that God knows that I need them. But am I willing to wait for God to give them to me? That, that for me, is, is my challenge. I know where I feel like God has called me to be. I know what I want in life. I know what I want for my family. I know them. And I feel mostly that God either probably doesn't care about those things because they're not important or they are a promise from God. My challenge is am I willing to wait for God to give them to me or am I going to make them happen? Because you can do both. And I'm not saying to be passive and just wait for God to do things in your life. I believe that, that it's important, like Ben spoke about with the talents, that we should invest our talents the challenge is not being discouraged when things don't happen when we think they should. When we've worked so hard knowing that we're investing in our talents and yet God still hasn't opened that door or answered that prayer and we get discouraged by that. So we tend to try and, you know, find other solutions or we go, no, no, that's not from God, then obviously I'm going to go over here and do this. Brief faith means that we have to stick it out in perseverance. I told you this was a message for me, so. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And that's what I want to leave us with as a thought today. Anxiety will 
push you from pillar to post, so they say. Anxiety will keep you awake at night. Anxiety will make you stop eating or make you not stop eating. It'll take your hair away. It'll give you wrinkles. It'll give you ulcers. It'll give you high blood pressure. Cancer. This is all coming from our resident nurse. Anxiety will shorten your life. <laughs> I hate to say it. There should be one of those warning labels on it, like on the, like on the cigarettes. You know the amazing thing that this scripture tells us is that all of that worry is actually for nothing because God knows what you need. There would not be one person, no matter how bad things are in our community here, there would not be one person I wouldn't think that doesn't at least have access to clean water, to food of some sort, to clothing of some sort, They may not always have a house, but there are options in our society. They may not always be the best, but they are there. We have a church who meets some of those needs every week. We give out food, we give out clothing, and most of all, we give out relationship and validation and encouragement to a community who don't often get that. God says, do not worry about today. Tomorrow, sorry, for tomorrow will worry about itself. I'm going to be 40 this year. I I only look like I'm turning 30, right? When I look in the mirror, I can see the effect that worry and anxiety has had on my life in the past 12 months. Now, you you might think I still look like a baby It's true, very youthful, (laughs) but I can see it. When I look in the mirror, I can see it. And I'm I'm not so concerned about the physical effect of that worry and anxiety has had on my life, particularly in the past 12 months, but I can physically see it. And what's worse is I can feel it. I feel it. When, when things get tough or if things don't go the way that I think they're going to go, I feel it. And you know what I feel most of all? I don't feel at peace. I feel the opposite. I feel like I've lost my confidence in the fact that God has a plan for my life. And I feel like I doubt myself in even knowing what God's plan is for my life. And to be honest... I get so caught up sometimes in what is God's plan in my life. And this scripture has challenged me so much in the past four months. I feel like God gave me this word back before Christmas. And it was a word for me, but a word for our church. I believe we're about to embark on a significant year of growth in our church, not numbers, not financially, not as far as the building goes, but in us as people. That when we look back in 12 months, we will know that we are different. And right now, I can look back 12 months ago 
And I know that I'm far more aware of who I am and what my shortcomings are now than I was 12 months ago. And I praise God for that because I don't want to go through life worrying about tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after. I don't want to die early worrying about what life has for me because I've been stressed to my eyeballs about things that actually make no difference in life. You know, when I was, when I was playing golf all the time, this scripture used to come to me all the time. I would, I'd be playing golf I'd be worried about not playing well. I'd be worried about work. I'd be worried about all these things. And I would see these birds flying around. And the birds would swoop down onto the grass and they'd dig around in the grass and then they'd fly off. And, you know, it's just this constant. Some of the birds were troublesome because they'd dig up the greens. Other birds would swoop you. But there were birds everywhere. And it, and it used to come to my mind all the time when I had a bit of food or something I'd throw it on the ground and the birds would swoop down. And I used to think to myself, is that God's plan for me to feed these birds? And I remember God speaking to me so clearly as I was probably playing a terrible round of golf to say, this has got nothing to do with you. Those birds have all the food and water and shelter and everything they need in life all around them. They don't need you. You're not actually that great. And I felt that in a loving, gentle rebuke. And sometimes we get so caught up in ourselves around what's our role and what can we do in life when all God wants is for us to have peace, the peace that transcends understanding, that centeredness, that, that bringing all of the essential parts together to not be broken apart, to not be pulled into pieces to just be whole and centred and have peace in our life. Because if God is for us, then who could be against us? And let me tell you, that is not just a statement that we can take on. That is a promise from God that we need to get into our hearts and we need to claim it every single day. We need to actively, actively use the weapons that we have around us because trials and tribulations are going to come. But we have everything we need right here in a relationship with God to be able to help us find that peace because it's there. It is there. Sometimes we've just got to dare I say, get over ourselves and just take our eyes off of us and put them on him just for today. Not tomorrow, not the next day, just today. And just thank God for the breath in our lungs, the food on our tables, the people in our lives, whatever it is that you're thankful for today because tomorrow it could be all gone. But God loves us so much that tomorrow doesn't matter. I'm just going to pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your peace.
Thank you that you made a way for us, Lord. Thank you that you care more about tomorrow for us than we should. And because of that, all we need to do is just be centered in you and your love and your peace every single day. And I pray for anybody struggling with worry or anxiety. I just pray in the name of Jesus that the peace of God flood into your life like an unstoppable army rolling through the streets to bring everything together under God who is our Saviour. We just thank you, Lord, for your individual relationship with us, that you care about us individually. You don't care about all those other things that you know we need. You will give them to us when we need them. And I just thank you, Lord, for for your word and for being here with us today. And I just pray for your blessing over everyone here. In Jesus' name.